Hey guys, welcome out to Psychology Hacks. Today we're gonna to be talking about how expectations affect your performance, both the expectations of other people and your own expectations. So I'm really excited about this episode. I um, hope you guys are all doing well. I know that there's some pretty crazy stuff going on out in the world and everyone I know seems to be going through their own personal crazy story at the moment. So I hope you guys are doing well. I hope that I can provide some useful tools here and there that will help you. So let's get into it. Just imagine being able to sit above the fray of human emotion and to just kind of observe the currents of unconscious forces that are directing the lives of everybody around you. You know, to be very keenly aware of people's motivations, to understand why they do what they do, to be able to look past the face value of, of what they're doing, to be able to look past the facade that they kind of put out there to the world you know that's why you study psychology that's why I try to break these lessons down in this in these episodes is to to give you guys the ability to do that and you know I don't want to just give you the theory like they tend to do in class um, I want to actually give you practical skills that you can use so today we're going to be talking about an experiment that was done by doctors Rosenthal and Jacobsons this is back in the 60s and they basically informed these school teachers that about 20% or so of their students has shown an exceptional ability in this testing, this, this round of testing that they had done before the experiment or at the beginning of it. And they were, the, these students, this 20% or so was expected to outperform their peers in the, the upcoming months. And now the idea behind this was to determine what kind of an impact the expectation of those teachers could have on a student. And it turns out that the impact is really significant. Um, the experiment has been repeated uh, many times across many age ranges um, in, in different environments um, in the same way that a grade school teacher's expectations shape the minds of you know a, a young impressionable child um, and also take, takes place in the adult world all the time um, some other well-known examples of this experiment being done is in like military school even so this is not strictly it's not confined to any particular age range or uh, demographic or anything like that. This is a, a human nature thing. And the phenomenon has been called the Pygmalion effect. and has has very wide-reaching implications. And there, there are implications that any psychology hacker really should be aware of. So let's go ahead and take a look at how we can use the results of this experiment in our daily lives. The expectations that you set for yourself and the expectations that other people have for you, those can honestly make or break you. There's a reason that double-blind experiments are so important in medical testing. You know, the, the placebo effect is a force of nature and, and experts a lot of times are not able to duplicate the effects or the, the power of the placebo. And I hear people talk about, you know, oh, this drug beat the placebo effect. It's on its way to, you know, be successful or it's, it's, it's promising, blah, blah, blah. And I've always been so confused by that. Because why are you celebrating this this chemical that can potentially beat the placebo effect? If it, it, why aren't we talking about how how the placebo effect is so powerful? Let's figure out how to use that. Let's figure out how to how to look at you know the science behind that and utilize it. And people are now, but it still hasn't really become a very widely accepted area of study for some reason. I, and I don't understand to be perfectly honest. Now, the Pygmalion effect. Now, this is a perfect example of the incredible force of human psychology. Just by being told that certain students had more potential, 
self-fulfilling prophecy was created. The teachers interacted with these students differently. They spent more time with them, they encouraged them more, um, they probably used a lot more patience when it came to how they dealt with them, they're probably a lot more encouraging. And it's really impossible to say how much of the effect comes from the subtle body language cues um, of these teachers that the students picked up on and how much was their direct actions. But obviously, we can probably assume that that, that that definitely does have a pretty significant influence as well. And people can sense when others hold them with in like a high esteem, high regard, or if they hold them in contempt. People, you can pick up on that. Even manipulative people, a lot of times, you can pick up on it. Although I'm starting to realize that it's a little bit harder than sometimes you give credit for. But on an unconscious level, even if you don't rationally understand what's going on a lot of times you will be influenced you will understand what's going on on that unconscious level even if you don't really make sense of it but you'll react unconsciously which is even more dangerous because you don't understand why you're doing something and of course let's not ignore the power of repetition because you know the people they're going to begin to produce results that match the expectations of those in authority People look up to those in authority, whether they like it or not. Even if they're anti-authority and they have like a, a resistance to it, they still have certain feelings towards them. And the power of authority is something that's only studied by a select few, honestly. Most people kind of like to believe that they're these autonomous beings who, um, they, they only defer to authority out of practical necessity. And the reality is that authority figures have a very deep psychological impact on us. If you want to be really deeply disturbed to start looking into how false memories can be implanted by police officers during an interrogation. And you might remember the episode that I did on pluralistic ignorance. Um, and this effect basically describes the herd mentality that we all fall into. And experiments done into pluralistic ignorance demonstrate that somebody having a heart attack on a busy sidewalk is most likely going to be ignored. And the reason for this um, is that most people don't know what to do. It's an unusual situation. The majority of people are not trained to respond appropriately and not knowing what to do, they look to the rest of the crowd for answers because in that moment they're looking for an authority figure because they don't have, they don't know what to do. And you know, it's unfortunate for that guy having the heart attack because everybody's looking to each other for guidance and with nobody taking action, everybody's assuming that everybody else is staying calm because they look calm on the outside and nobody's doing anything, right? Well, they don't realize that it's, it's like this mirrored effect where those people are looking back at them looking for guidance and everybody's kind of you know these deer in the headlights nobody really knows what to do and so since somebody does anything they kind of assume well this guy must be okay or somebody would do something <clears throat> you know and it's only when people have some kind of medical training or some kind of some kind of training um and they actually step up and take charge that things really get done now of course when somebody does step up and take charge typically people are very helpful they, they follow along and they will do a lot to try to help save that person. But the point of it here is not that people are, you know, bad or inherently afraid or whatever. It the, the point is that they we, we look to others when we don't know what to do and there's this these unconscious powers that kind of dictate what we how we act. And it's really if you look at that it's, it's very easy to become a leader if you can just develop the ability to act decisively. And it's a hard skill to develop. It takes time, it takes practice, but if you do that, it it puts you so far ahead of everybody else. It really does. If somebody has doubt and they're unsure of the appropriate next steps, they're probably going to defer 
to any perceived authority. Even if there's, it's not an actual authority figure, even, a, even if it's a bad idea. If people don't know what to do, they're probably going to follow whoever takes charge. Conmen use this all the time, you know? And, you know, any expertise in a given area can definitely provide self-confidence um, to resist the pull of authority. Um, so, for example, if somebody, you know, if you're in that crowded situation and you, you have a medical background and you step up, take charge, and somebody else is trying to take charge in a completely inefficient way, you know, if you really know your stuff and know what you're doing, you're going to have more confidence to, to actually stand out and, like, give orders. But the majority of people, they're, they're not in that position. They don't know what to do, so they don't do anything. So teachers are very clearly authority figures, right? And they they command a response from, from everybody that's in their care. They have the power of repetition on their side as well because they can say the same things over and over again. And um, the experiment that was done by Rosenthal and Jacobson, it, it shows that the impact that their perception has on reality is significant. It's tangible. And like I said before, that's only one half of the coin. Their actions influence the students, and the students also react unconsciously to these actions. And it's a constant give and take. But what's really interesting about this is that it all happens below the level of rational awareness of consciousness um, on both sides, you know, because the teachers don't think that they're giving special treatment, more than likely. And, you know, the students don't necessarily understand what's going on. They, they pick up on it in some ways, but it's just, it's all unconscious. And that's very interesting to me, at least. And I think that I think that this is one of the reasons that people become so interested in psychology. Because just imagine the ability, like I said earlier, to sit above, you know, the, the, the nonsense, the battlefield, to look down on human interaction and understand it for what it is. You, you look at it as, you know, it's emotion, it's unconscious reactions. People don't know what they're doing. They're just kind of doing the best they can. And they're making decisions that they think are their own. And you can look at them and understand their motivations, you know, their their childhood trauma or whatever or their their insecurities their biases whatever it is you can understand that it gives you so much power you know and that's the point of this podcast you know is to educate you enough to see life for what it is and what it is is a game that's ruled by irrationality emotion and a little bit of biology so how do we hack this well to start off with i want to point out how important it is to eliminate any negative influences from your environment as much as possible so having, having anybody around you who holds you to low standards can be devastating. Because not only are they, they not building you up, but the two of you are involved in this unconscious circle of toxic behaviors. And cutting those people out, those people that have a negative power over you, it can be very difficult, but it's also a necessity if you want to get anywhere in life. So you need to start identifying all those people that think less than the best of you. You know, most friends are not going to intentionally sabotage your progress. Most families are intentionally trying to hold you down. But well-intentioned, quote-unquote, safe advice has been the stumbling block of a lot of would-be success stories. So take the advice of anyone telling you to play it safe the same way that you would um, if it was somebody intentionally trying to, to sabotage you and stunt your growth. The opinion of somebody who perceives you as someone with low potential, that's, that's something that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy, and it's something that you want to avoid. So clear out the garbage. Cut down on the clutter of other people's opinions. And you might be surprised at how much better you feel right off the bat, you know, on an emotional level. Because, you know, the teachers are, they're, they're unaware of the unconscious effect that their actions are having on the students. And in the same way, these people in general are not all that aware of the impact that they're having on one another. It's not necessarily intentional, but 
still. That wine has a very interesting taste. Okay, so moving forward, expectations establish the foundation for reality. Now, the brain has a way of providing evidence for whatever it chooses to believe in. We've talked about this a lot. It has the amazing ability to justify itself repeatedly over and over again. So when we believe that somebody has a lot of potential, we're a lot more likely to give them more energy. Instead of assuming that they're incompetent, we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt if they make mistakes, which they will. We're likely to be a lot more patient with them. And in the same way, you know, if we, if we really believe that we are capable of accomplishing something good and something great, we're, we're less likely to, to, to give up after a couple of setbacks, you know, because it reframes how we see things. If we truly, truly believe that we have a lot of potential, we're, we're going to be patient when we mess up because we're going to see it as, well, this is a learning opportunity. This is, this is where I get better. or This is only a small part of it. As opposed, if we don't think very much of ourselves, then as soon as we run into hardships, it's like, oh, well, that was it, you know, I've, I knew it, it's all, I'm doomed. And, you know, it's really sad to see people do that, but it happens all the time. I mean, all the time, I see it constantly. A lot of people that I've been close to that I've had to cut out, because, you know, they just, they don't go anywhere. They, something hits them, you know, they have this setback, and they just give up. And like, why would you give up at that? Like, it's not, it's not worth it. And then you, you kind of look into it a little bit and you realize, well, they kind of expected that to happen. It's just proving to them that they can't do it. And, you know, that's their worldview. And you've got to really get down and change that whole paradigm, that whole way that they see reality. And it's, it's really difficult to do sometimes. Now, of course, if they are exposed to somebody who, and hopefully like you, my excellent listeners, you know, somebody who does think a lot of themselves, who does understand that they have a lot of potential, you know, yeah, you can absolutely bring people up, but just be careful not to get caught in the trap of trying to save everybody, trying to bring other people up to your level, because the reality is the two of you are going to meet somewhere in the middle. You're not going to bring them to your level and pull them all the way up. You're going to pull them up a little bit and they're going to pull you down a little bit. And that's a hard lesson that I've had to learn recently. <laughs> I've had to learn it a couple of times. It didn't sink in until recently. And it's unfortunate, but a lot of times the people that are closest to us, they, they just, they're not going to help us get to where we need to be. And there's a, there's a, a point of, well, you know, this person does all these great things for me and they, they improve my life in all these ways. Do I really need them to bolster my career as well? And that's the decision that you have to make and only you can make that. And it's going to change based on the situation, obviously. That being said, if you're anything like me and you care about other people and you try to help them, stop doing that. <laughs> I mean, I don't, don't stop caring about people, but stop giving more energy than you receive. Stop being more patient with, stop being significantly more patient with other people than they are with you. You know, put, put yourself on the other side of the table and imagine if it was them, how how far would they go for me? How much would they do for me? Because you don't want to exhaust your resources on somebody who's not building you up. And it's not that you should be selfish and you know and only look out for yourself. But you have to any kind of relationship, whether it's a you know a significant other, if it's a business partner, if it's a coworker, just your friends, your family, whatever. <clears throat> you know any any kind of relationship that you engage in you're going to have to put a certain amount of work into, right? Well, you, 
it's always a give and take, and there's always ebbs and flows. I don't know if ebbs is really a word, but it always ebbs and flows. Okay, I, I think I just used it wrong. Ebbs and flows doesn't sound right. But my, my point being that there's always this give and take and this dynamic, and it's never going to be totally even. So stop, stop imagining that balance is a real thing, because it's not. However, if you're consistently giving a lot more than they are in that relationship, that's not okay. You've got to pull back. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, in a practical sense, sometimes, like, if it's at work, you might not really have the option, okay? And that's unfortunate, but at the end of the day, you got to decide, well, do I want to get the job done or do I want to only do my fair share? And, you know, a lot of times the appropriate response is to shoulder that extra responsibility and do a lot more and just <clears throat> make sure that you take credit for it, though, you know? Like, if you're helping somebody through a hard time, that's one thing. But if this is just somebody's personality, it's not the same. But in a relationship where the most intrinsic intrinsic, excuse me, quality is, you know, kind of the way that they make you feel, the way that they enhance your quality of life, it's not so much about the tangible things, but it's about the emotional state. If you're giving, 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 and somebody else is not meeting you on that same level, don't get sucked into that. Because that's how stuff like this gets you, you know, you can kind of tell, well, you know, my boss doesn't think a lot of me, and I think it kind of stunts my potential at work a little bit. That's kind of straightforward, but I think what people really miss it is when they look up to those those authority figures, which can be people in a relationship. You know, if you respect the person that you're with or the, the person that you're interacting with, um, whatever that dynamic is, which, I mean, if it's a relationship, I would, I would hope you respect them. But it's difficult to look at that and realize, well, they're not putting the same amount of work in. You know, you can care about that person. And, like, a good example is a lot of friends that I've had where I genuinely care about them. And you look at them and realize, well, they just need a little bit of help. They just need a little bit of help. Like, they'll, bad things just keep happening to them. And then you try to keep helping, helping, helping. And then you kind of eventually figure out, well, they're kind of making bad things happen to them. And they don't realize it. They're making decisions, and it's unconscious, and it's sad to watch it happen. But you got to understand that you can't save them, unfortunately. Because like I said, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you're not going to pull them straight up to you. You two are going to meet in the middle. Best case scenario. More often than not, people like that, it, it's toxic when somebody's negative and just attracts bad things, you know? I'm not saying just bail out at the first sign of trouble, obviously. But you have to pay attention to trends and patterns with people. And you have to really protect your own energy and understand that, well, if the person you're with or the people that you surround yourself with really don't think that you're going to accomplish anything. And, you know, and if, if you haven't proven to them that you can accomplish it, then that might be a little bit different. You know, the first six months that you know somebody... And, you, you know, you keep your ambitions to yourself and they don't see how hard you work. That's understandable, you know. But after somebody really gets to know you, they don't think a whole lot of you. Or if they, they've seen your work ethic and they, they still just kind of expect the worst of you. Or even, like, they've taken away all that. Because all that stuff's kind of external. It's kind of superficial. Even just as a person, like, your ability to be happy. If they don't respect you, if they don't think that you deserve as much as they do... If, if they have this low opinion of you, that's going to come out in the way they treat you. And it's, it's difficult to get objection, or excuse me, but it's difficult to look at that objectively. Um, speaking from experience, it's definitely hard to, to look at that and to say, well, 
you know, this, this isn't the way I want to be treated because it's easy to justify why they're doing that. Again, the brain is so good at justifying anything and everything that it wants to believe, right? But it's really important to get that space because it's going to have a toxic effect on you over time. Again, friends, family, relationships, like it, it's just, it's bad for you. And this study is a great example of that. People don't necessarily mean to do it. It's not that you should like hate everybody. Like, oh, you're trying to tear me down, blah, blah, blah. No, but you do need to learn how to start distancing yourself emotionally to start noticing when somebody does not look at you in a productive way, a way that's productive for you, you know? And it's also important to change our own mindset to start understanding that we are capable of a lot that way when we run into setbacks we don't get stuck thinking oh well you know i was doomed from the start and blah 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 no you, you, you look at it and realize hey you know this is a learning experience this is how i get better this this stumbling block is this is my success story this is how i get there it's not a setback it's it's a step up it just feels like a step back temporarily but it's how you make yourself stronger okay so if you know that you hold the potential to create this self-fulfilling prophecy, then the intelligent thing to do is to create the best self-fulfilling prophecy possible. So while, if you know that you can create this, this prophecy for yourself, why would, you cre- why would you choose to create a negative future? It doesn't make any sense. So the reasons that people do choose to create a negative future for themselves unconsciously or not, usually has to do with low self-esteem. Um, they don't have a whole lot of evidence of past successes to kind of like build them up and prove it to them. They're too deeply locked into their emotions and they're surrounded by people that set the bar low, that don't expect anything of them or of themselves, you know? Remember, the, the brain is a meaning-making machine. It's designed to keep you alive and well and it's going to try to explain everything that it comes across. It's going to try to ignore anything that doesn't fit into its current understanding of reality. And that means that the brain is judging everything that happens to you every step of the way. If you make a mistake, your programming is going to decide how it judges you, how it, you know, looks at the mistake. It's going to decide what that mistake means. Is it a learning experience? Is it a growth opportunity? Or is it proof of that you suck? You know, <laughs> you, know you, you don't, you want to be very careful with that. So as adults, the, the, the thing to do at this point in time is to take charge of the program, to consciously start changing the way that we think, to change our, our paradigm of reality, okay? Because we mostly get stuck with the programming that we happen to pick up as a kid, stuff that we get from our parents, from our teachers, even just random stuff, you know, maybe we fall and get hurt and we think that, I don't know, the playground equipment is terrifying because we got hurt and it doesn't have anything to do with other people that was that happens to be our interpretation of reality and it spirals out into well running around having fun is you know anxiety <laughs> it's anxiety and so you, you live your whole childhood scared to have fun and then that turns you into you know a really stuck up anxious person you know and it's it's, it's really valuable to take time for self-reflection to really examine why you do what you do just to this way to do this Take quiet time to yourself every single day. Like, don't look at your phone, um, don't watch TV, don't listen to music, don't do anything. Just sit in silence for as long as you can, as often as you can. And you know, it's not. I, I say this, and I definitely go through phases. I've been, I've been in this phase lately, and it's done me a lot of good. It's given me a lot of 
really profound insights. I've, I've done a lot of emotional processing, some very beneficial. And I intend to try to keep doing this, but I know that I'm going to fail at some point. I know I'm going to get caught up in stuff. I'm not going to take the time to do it. And it comes and goes, you know, it comes in, in waves. And you, when you have the opportunity to do it, then take it, you know. And it doesn't have to be for hours every day. If you can just not take your phone with you to the bathroom, that could help. If you could, you know, stay off technology while you eat or take an hour in the evening or even 20 minutes, take a walk, you know, without checking your phone. Um, sit on the porch, you know, something. Just the, the, the goal is silence and solitude and, with, you know, not just having distractions. And this allows you to really process your own emotions, um, your own actions. It gives you more clarity. It lets you start to see through your own illusions that you've created and you start realizing, well, I do this because, you know, trauma. <laughs> Something bad happened to me at some point. You know, and it's it's difficult to 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 make these realizations. Journaling is another great way to do it too. Um, if you're struggling with repressed issues and you know that you're having emotional issues, if you have any kind of mood disorder, any kind of anxiety disorder, any kind of like really like persistent mental health disorder, honestly, I, I definitely recommend talking to a, a a therapist, like actually getting help. If nothing else, just to have somebody who understands how to help you process those emotions, how to help you understand why you do what you do, because that's going to help a lot moving forward. It's going to help you understand other people. It's going to help you be more happy with yourself, all right? So moving forward, start paying attention to how others perceive you. If it's negative, you need to cut them out, okay? If that's not an option, like say you work with them and there's not really anything you can do at the moment, mitigate the harmful effects that they can have on you as much as possible. It might be intentional. It might not be. It doesn't matter. Um, You've got to cut that out. And this can be very difficult, but it's honestly going to make be more difficult to, to make those changes to yourself on a fundamental level. Stop setting the bar so low for yourself. Stop expecting the worst results. Stop getting impatient with yourself when you run into setbacks. And stop giving up on yourself. You deserve better than that. You really do. You would be shocked. Honestly, you would be shocked if you got a sneak peek into your true potential. It would blow you away. If you could even begin to understand the power that you hold in your mind, it would honestly amaze you. And a lot of times people look at what they can do right now as an indication of what they could do in the long run. And that's just, that's just faulty logic. It's not an accurate way to look at reality. Because right now you doesn't have the experiences and the skills that future you could have if you commit to growth and improvement. Okay, So don't mistake what you can do right now for what you could do eventually. Your past does not equal your future, unless, of course, you decide to stay stuck on the merry-go-round that is your life, you know? If you, ch if you don't change anything, if you expect things to get better. I got in an argument with somebody recently, fairly recently, um, and she said that, well, or I, I had read a quote somewhere that I saw on Instagram or something about how, well, <clears throat> if you don't have a plan for five years from now, then your life right now is what's, what it's going to look like. And she got so mad about that. No, like, things change and things happen to you, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, things do change. You might be living somewhere else. You might be with a different person. You might be in a different financial situation, but you won't change. You know, you're reacting to what happens to you. If you don't have a plan for growth and you don't ever make the decision to, to get better, you're just reacting to whatever happens. And you, you'll get somewhere, but it won't be of your choosing, you know. So start changing your daily habits because that's how you change your future. You know, stop expect, stop accepting um, 
put-downs from people. Stop ex- accepting anything less than total respect from people. Now, obviously, you've got to earn that. Like, you can't just go demand it. But the way that you earn that is by how you carry yourself. It's, it's the decisions that you make. It's the discipline that you develop, you know? And those those big changes, they all come from countless small decisions that add up over time. And you're never going to know what, what enormous weight that those small choices have until you give the compound effect some time to kick in. Now, the impact that those school teachers had on their students, it didn't happen overnight, okay? It, it only took a few months, but still. Um, they didn't make a few big choices to give more time and energy to the promising students than the average students or the bad student, quote-unquote, because it was randomized and there, there weren't I mean there were obviously below average students but it was, who was assigned to be a quote bad student and a good student were, was uh, random and you know they still had this huge discrepancy in test scores at the end like the, the, the good students had scored way above everybody else you know there wasn't one defining moment where those kids suddenly realized oh we're being categorized into these different classes no it was the accumulative effect of actions and behaviors that were honestly probably subtle enough to go unnoticed by the conscious mind of these students, you know. But the real-world consequences, they were tangible. They were noticeable. And it's impossible to say how much of it was the students responding unconsciously to the teacher's nonverbal behavior, like we said already, and how much was the, the preferential treatment. Um, but either way, it doesn't really matter. Like, what, what matters is that there is a self-fulfilling prophecy that takes place. It was created in, the, in these classrooms. And whether or not, or whether we like to admit it or not, that prophecy is playing out every single day in every aspect of our lives. The way we talk to ourselves, the way other people treat us. Knowing this is very important to be careful to protect yourself from the opinions of others. You know, just ruthlessly evaluate the treatment that you receive from other people and the, 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 the subtle reactions that you have to it. And also rea- pay attention to their subtle reactions. If they get aggravated with you, when you try to demand it respect, set boundaries, or establish a pattern of discipline and success, that speaks volumes. Don't put up with that. Those people are no good for you. I don't care how much you love them. If you do something good for yourself and they get upset over it, they don't care about you. I'm sorry to say it. And, you know, you don't have to take my word for it. Just start paying attention. You'll figure it out at some point. Just be careful. But start reclaiming your power by taking those concrete steps towards freeing yourself from outside influences. And this starts with understanding it, and then it continues with you actually taking tangible actions. If you guys listen to this podcast and you you think, oh, it makes perfect sense, that's great information, and you don't do anything about it, well, what good has it done you? And the, the answer is none, you know. But it starts with an awareness because you'll start noticing things more. And once you start noticing things, then you can start, you know, you won't be perfect at first, but you'll start saying, eh, not going to accept that, not going to tolerate that. If nothing else, I understand that that's not good for me and I'm not going to let it affect me, you know? So, as always, guys, um, I'm very responsive over social media. I'm mostly using Instagram. It's uh, Jack Gray underscore psychology hacks. I'm trying to be better about posting consistently. I get like some motivational quotes and just like some some useful quick little like quotes and phrases. I I just share memes. That's all I do. I'm a meme dealer, uh, but it's, I try to keep it <laughs> relevant to psychology and so little reminders and stuff. But it's a great way to connect with me. If you guys have content that you would like to hear, if you have feedback for me, don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, thanks for listening. Best of luck.